All right. Good morning, High Desert Word Center. How we doing? Who's ready for Thanksgiving? You are blessed, fortunate people because you're one of those, that group that gets two Thanksgivings. You get one today, and then you get one on Thursday, and it's going to be absolutely awesome. And we're going to party today like it's the 1600s because we're doing it outside. Come on. Yeah, all right, all right, all right. Contain yourselves, but we are going to have a home run, awesome, amazing time. This is going to be just a memorable experience that, uh, like we've never had before. So I'm super, super excited. I'm going to let, uh, Katie give you some of the directions on what's happening after service and then some other announcements for some upcoming stuff because we are almost right there at the most wonderful time of the year. Is anybody with me? That was, Massively, that was so weak. That was, that was pathetic. Who's ready for Christmas? Let me just say it that way. All right. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I brought the sweater. I mean business today. This is it. All right. <laughs> so uh, raise your hand if your home is already decorated for Christmas. Okay. Yeah. See, that's what I thought. There, there is a good chunk of you. That that's already done. So I am so glad to see so many of you today. I love you, family. I am thankful for you. Very, very thankful for you and for our new babies here. Oh, I love them. Love them. Welcome, baby Thomas, for the first time. Yay, baby Thomas. I'm so glad that you guys are here. So obviously, we're having lunch after service. So um, we'll give you some instructions at the very end of service on how that's all going to work. Um, but we will pick up kids first, first, and then go out the back door. Um, they are serving inside. So we'll give you a little bit more instruction, but they wanted to make sure your food stayed warm. I'm really happy for that. Yeah, hot food's a good thing. Um, there is a Christmas party next week in the evening service. So Sunday the 29th at 6 p.m., we are having our Christmas came early party. So that is a really, really fun family party. So um, Lift Family Life, our family life group, uh, usually puts that on and they do like a cookie exchange. Uh, we know we're not allowed for you to bake cookies and bring them this year. But we're providing cookies for you. So we will provide the cookies and the drinks. And you're going to bring a $1 gift for your kids. Your kids are going to bring a $1 gift to exchange. And then you, if you would like to, as an adult, can bring a $5 gift to exchange. And they'll do a gift exchange and some fun games. But by then, the church will be all decorated for Christmas. So we'll all get to have some good family fellowship time, which means the world to me. Our family here is just super amazing. I love you guys. Um, also, on December 6th, is it the 5th? The first Sunday of December, which is the 6th. Yes, someone nod at me. Yes, someone's yelling yes. December 6th is membership class at 4 o'clock. So if you, if you were asked, what does your church believe? and you can't clearly answer that question, then you belong at membership class. Okay, if you have a membership certificate and someone asked you that question, you couldn't answer it. 
you belong at membership class. So it'll be a really great class that's going to help you understand what our church believes and why. You can ask all of those questions here. What's the difference between us and every other church in town? Why do we believe this? Or what is this that went on in a service? That is the place where you can easily and quickly get those questions answered. In addition to that, if you have been wanting to serve in an area, if you have a heart for some area, whether it be children's or cleaning the church or greeting people, if there's a way that you're wanting to get involved, that is the class that you need to be at too. Because since we have not had those classes all of 2020, we're squeezing them together. So you get the best of both worlds. So our ministry of helps, that means serving in the church, that class will be combined with it. So you'll understand what the heart of serving here is and what we expect out of those who work and serve the Lord and why we expect those things. So it's going to be a membership slash helps class at four o'clock on Sunday, December 6th. I think that's all I got. Praise God. Praise God. Very good. So lots of good stuff going on right now. Get involved. Be excited. Who's just glad that you get to have church, man? Come on. Who's excited that you get to be at church? God is so good to us. And I just also want to give a big, big thank you to the High Desert Word Center family uh, for so many people chipped in to get this dinner paid for today. Amen. And so what an awesome thing. Some people just went above and beyond and uh, we've got more than enough to take care of uh, paying the restaurant that's doing this for us and it is a blessing. You guys go to a good, who knows that you go to a pretty good church? In my opinion, you go to the best church around, but what a great day. Amen. All right. Very good. Last thing. So if it's been on your heart to give and you haven't, here's what occurred. There were so many people who cared that Thanksgiving was paid for that we have over and above. So thank you. And thank you, Jesus. We also know that when you give, it's given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. How many know that sowing seed before Christmas when you need harvest is good? That's good. So I want to tell you this. If it's on your heart to give and you haven't, don't disobey God. What we're doing is the over and above is going to be applied towards Christmas. We don't have a full Christmas plan yet, but it's going to be a good one. So if God has told you to give, don't disobey him. Um, and make sure that you get your harvest before Christmas, right? Seed sown is a good thing. So if he's told you to give, go ahead and do that. I encourage you to, to do that. On your envelope, you'll write Thanksgiving. Online, you give it to guest speaker because I messed up. Um, but we will make sure that those funds go towards Christmas and our Christmas service on December 20th. Amen. All right. Very, very good. Who knows what time it is now? Yes. God loves a cheerful giver. I like cheerful givers. I mean, I know God loves them. I like cheerful givers because I just like cheerful people. Amen. So let's turn it over to pastor and he is going to take up our Sunday morning tithes and offerings. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand one more time. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. If you need an offering envelope, hold up your hands and the ushers will be glad to serve you. I'm, I'm going to show you three short passages of scripture today. I think, first of all, up to Mark chapter 16. I want to show you some things. And, uh, you know, our, our, our church, our church mission is to equip God's people for a victorious Christian living. And 2020, I think out of my 69 years on earth, 
At 41 years as a Christian, I've never seen a year like 2020. I know my my dad, my mom, and my grandparents went through the Great Depression and things back then. They talked about how bad it was. And I remember my dad telling me about his neighborhood when he grew up as a boy. They had tuberculosis was bad in America. And he said that in the neighborhood, they would board up people's houses and people couldn't leave their houses. But we're seeing something I think maybe worse than the things happened back in those days. We're seeing things worldwide right now attacking everybody. But Jesus told us in John 17, 17 that we're in the world. But we're not of the world. And the Old Testament is a type and shadow of the New Testament. And the Old Testament, when, when the plagues came through Egypt, God said, I'm going to protect Israel, my people, so the world will know there's a difference between my people and the world. And so we as believers, we have to learn to cooperate with God so we'll be protected and then the world will see and then they'll ask us, how, how come this infected your family? How come this? How come that? And you can say, my family belongs to Jesus Christ. We're not just church people. We're Jesus people. And we really believe that Jesus will do everything he said he would do. That's why our church, our mission, equip you for victorious Christian living. I'm just going to show you three short verses today equipping you what to do to vaccinate yourself before the vaccine comes out, to vaccinate yourself from COVID. The Lord told me years ago that the spiritual always determines the natural, good or bad. We function in two realms. We're spirit beings. Temporarily, we live in an earth suit. But our, but our citizenship is in heaven. And so we're down here on earth living in these earth suits. And what we do spiritually with our faith will determine the outcome of these earth suits. That's good preaching. Amen. I want to look at Mark chapter 16. And I know that when my earth suit was attacked with stage four blood cancer a couple years ago, and 99% blockage of my main artery in my heart, that Jesus brought me through it. I'm 100% healed, no heart damage, healthy blood, everything great, etc., etc. But what I'm going to show you today is a big part of what I believe God for it brought me through that. And whatever it is facing you, job stuff, money stuff, fear of COVID, whatever, that the Word of God always works. Say this, say, the Word of God works when I work the Word. Amen. Mark chapter 16, verse 19 and 20, it says, So that after the Lord had spoken unto them, this is what he's talking to his disciples right before he went to heaven, says he was received up into heaven and set on the right hand of God. That's where Jesus is at the right hand of God. He's not up there twiddling his thumbs, doing nothing. He's out there ministering now from his heavenly ministry for us on earth. It says, and they, the disciples, went forth and preached everywhere. Well, we're his disciples, and we're preaching everywhere today. And so it says they preached everywhere, the Lord working with them. When we're preaching the gospel, the word of God, it says that Jesus is working with us. And what does he do from from his place in heaven at the right hand of God? Confirming the word with signs following confirming the word with signs following we're a high desert word center this church was named that forever came out of indiana but that's a name from the holy ghost for this church we major on preaching and teaching the word of god 
We're a praying church. We're a worshiping church. We're a giving church. We're a loving church. But everything we do in this church that Jesus backs up is because we do it based upon the Word of God that we know. We preach it and teach it. And then Jesus' Word says, He confirms that Word with signs following. Do you notice it says He said it at the right hand of God? Okay, now look at Hebrews chapter 7. And what I'm doing, I'm showing you how to protect yourself from COVID. Amen. I'm showing you how to protect your finances. I don't know if you know it, but uh, Uncle Sam's not God. And Uncle Sam can keep on throwing out and throwing out money that they borrowed from China. And if China ever decides to call in the call in the note on Uncle Sam, your retirement can go down pretty quick. Your job can shut down pretty quick. I am not preaching doom and gloom. That's facts. But the Word of God will change the facts in your life. Amen. And so Hebrews 7 verse 8 says, And here men that die receive tithes. That's talking about preachers. We're God's representative on the earth to receive the tithe for God, to take care of God's business. It says, but there he receiveth them. We just saw Mark chapter 16. He, Jesus, is seated at the right hand of God and says, he receives your tithe of whom it is witness that he liveth. So Jesus is the one that we tithe to. And that's just like putting your money in the bank. When you give it to the teller at the bank, the teller's not the one going to give you interest where they do it the money. The teller's just an agent to receive it for the main clearing house of the bank. And so we're the ones that receive it for Jesus, but Jesus is the number one. He's the main one that watches over it. And so now we'll look at Malachi chapter 3, remembering that Jesus works with us when we preach the word of God, confirming the word with signs following. Malachi chapter 3, and we talk about this verse all the time. And why do we talk about this verse all the time? Because it's the Bible as one of God's number one guarantees for his blessing on your life. And so if we're going to equip you for victorious Christian living, we're going to teach you what the Word of God says is God's part and your part so you can be blessed. Somebody said amen. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 says, Bring you all the tithes into the storehouse. Well, the storehouse is a physical place that God has set up to bring spiritual blessings to you. And so your storehouse is your local church. And so as Katie very well went into detail the other day about tithes, offerings, alms, giving to the poor, all those kind of things, the tithe is one form of giving the Bible teaches about, but offerings are another form. And alms is another. But the tithe is the number one thing with God that you need to do before offerings, before giving to the poor. The number one thing you need to do is be a person that's committed to Jesus, that Jesus, your word says, you're at God's right hand receiving my tithe. And so Jesus, I'm going to bring my tithe to you. And so he says, bring you all the tithes to the storehouse. That's the man part. That's your part. There's always a believer's part and there's a God part. And so when we bring the tithe in, Jesus' part is, he's the right hand of God, and Jesus says, I received that. And then here's the part that Jesus will do for you. He says that there may be meat, spiritual food in my house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, 
That means the Lord of battles. How many want Jesus to fight your battles? Amen. I'll tell you what, I'm so grateful that when I had that blood cancer, that Jesus was right there in the middle of everything to where the doctor could finally say, perfect blood, perfect blood, perfect blood, you have perfect blood. And then I'm so glad when I was in that heart surgery, that when I was in that heart surgery, and that doctor said I had 99% blockage, his words were, you're a walking dead man, you shouldn't be here. He said, I do this every day, and people like you don't live to get into my office. And then when I was in that surgery, you know, you can believe this if you want to or not. I was awake all the time. They gave me some kind of local stuff there. I had to be awake while they was doing it. And I felt a hand that I couldn't see come in and hold my hand. And I don't, I don't say things like that lightly. A hand started squeezing my hand and holding my hand while it was going on. And I kept glancing and glancing. I thought, well, what are these doctor's agents doing that? There wasn't anybody there. But Jesus was there holding my hand through that and let me know that. And I'm so grateful he was fighting my battle for me. Because after 99% blockage, the doctor said, no damage, no damage, no damage. Amen. You know what I spent the week doing this week? Cutting firewood and chopping firewood with an axe. Not too bad for a 69-year-old man who went through heart surgery a couple years ago, is it? <laughs> Amen. He said, pour you out a blessing, I'll really receive it. And here is the God part. Your part, you bring it in. God said, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. If you're familiar, if you're familiar with John 10.10, Jesus said the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So would you say the COVID-19 steals, kills, destroys? How about people losing their jobs? How about people saying, well, the government said they're going to send me money. I've been waiting for six months now. I didn't get mine. I'm waiting on it. Well, Jesus said, I'll rebuke the devourer. I'll take care of it for you. I got your back. And, you know, I just want to emphasize this as strong as I can to you. As pastors here that want everybody that sits under our influence to succeed, I want to tell you, if you're not a person that tithes yet, I really highly, 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 highly encourage you, man, bite the bullet, if that's the right word. Bite the bullet, suck it up, and say, Jesus, I want to make sure that I'm protected from COVID by you. I want to make sure that my finances are protected, my family's protected. And then he said, prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. He said, he confirms the word besides following. And so... When you're a person that pays your tithes to Jesus, everything you do needs to be in faith. Every time you tithe, my wife and I, all of our married life, I did it before I was married to her, and now we've been married for all these years, we write out a tithe check every time we get paid. Our money's deposited online. As soon as it comes in, the first thing I do, I mark in my checkbook what the deposit was for pay and Social Security and things we get. And then we get out the checkbook, we sit down, we write out a tithe to High Desert Word Center, because this is our storehouse. There's missions and other things we do, and we write out checks to other missions and stuff like that. First thing we do, write out a tithe to High Desert Word Center, and then we stand together, we hold our tithe in our hand together, and we say, Father, we want to thank you so much for blessing us with the health to earn this money. We want to thank you for blessing us, Lord, with having this church 
you know, that we're at that this church supports us and other things. And, Lord, we want to thank you. You rebuked the devourer for us. Thank you, Jesus, you brought us through the cancer. Thank you, Jesus, you brought us through all the different things we've been through in life. And we thank you for things he's done for us. And then I always say this as a pastor. I say, Lord, I want to thank you. I've got 100% of my congregations follows me as I follow Christ in being tithers so you can bless them. I always pray that. And so I said that for you. Don't just hastily bring money and put it in. Take the time to dedicate that to Jesus before you ever get to church. And then if you get to church, all you're doing is following through in the natural what you've already done through the spiritual because Hebrews 7 says he's the one that receives it. And so why don't you give it to him when you get it? And then if you get it, then come up to break. He said, men here receive tithes on earth. So then by the time you break it here, you've already given your tithe. Amen. Amen. And so that's the word of God. God said, I rebuke the devourer. COVID is a devourer. Cancer is a devourer. Financial, financial uh, bankruptcy is a devourer. And Jesus said, you do your part, I'll do my part. And I will remind you where we started. Mark chapter 16 says he confirms his word. He confirms his word. That means he backs up his word when we act on his word. And so I just want, I just want to tell you, every time, every time you pay a tithe to Jesus, you thank him. The devourer is rebuked. You remind him of things he's already done in the past and thank him for that. And I can guarantee you, based upon the word of God, God does not lie. He's not a liar. You do your part, God does his part, and you have no need of fear of financial destruction or physical destruction. Amen? Amen. Let's make our financial faith confession. And then as you bring your tithes up today, just say a few words to Jesus on the way up and thank him again for what he's doing for you. Amen? Let's make our confession. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs, our better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord. All the needs. I lost it. Go ahead. You know it. Give generously in the kingdom of God, God and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. Amen. Amen. <clears throat>
can't stop singing about your love. I can't stop singing about your love. My heart is overcome. And I, I can't stop singing about your love. For everything that you've done, my heart is overcome. See the kingdom of heaven pierce the dark within this light. We're alive in your presence. Whoa. You have won our salvation at the cross, one sacrifice so secure in your presence. Whoa. And I. I can't stop singing about your love. I can't stop singing about your love. My heart is overcome. And I, I can't stop singing about your love. For everything that you've done, my heart is overcome. praise you forever your love is on and on i sing to you jesus sing this you are my first love i praise you forever your love goes on and on i sing to you jesus here we go you are my first love Sing hallelujah, you are my first love. Sing hallelujah. And I, I can't stop singing my joy love. I can't stop singing my joy love. My heart is overcome. And I, I can't stop singing about your love For everything that you've done My heart is overcome One more time, let's sing this I praise you forever Your love goes on and on I sing to you, Jesus You are my first love praise you forever your love goes on and on I sing to you Jesus lift your voice you are my first love sing hallelujah you are my first love sing hallelujah yes Lord I can't stop singing about your love. I can't stop singing about your love. My heart is overcome. And I, I can't stop singing about your love. 
for everything that you've done. My heart is overcome. You are my first love. Sing hallelujah. You are my first love. Sing hallelujah. You are my first love. Think about the verse Jeremiah 1.5. He knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. He knew you. That means you were a spirit before you were flesh. Thank you, Jesus.
Love, Lord, I. 
Who knows that he loved us before we ever loved him? Amen. (laughs) He loved us before we ever knew him. He loved us. And I dare say he loves us more than we love him. And, and that, and I love Jesus so much, but I know that he loves me so much. And he wouldn't hold anything back from me. He wants the very best for me. And Jesus, we love you. We lay it all down at your feet, Jesus. And, and Lord, as we take this moment to, to just bask in the, in the glory and in the presence of your love, we will never forget what you did for us. We will never forget where you found us and where you picked us up and where you gave your life for us so we could have a better life, so we could go to heaven someday, so we could be delivered from fear, so we could be delivered from sickness, so we could be delivered from depression. Jesus, you paid the price. We love you. Isaiah prophesied about our Lord Jesus a thousand years before he ever even walked on the earth. And, and I'm not a man that cries, but I was standing there reading this a minute ago. And I was crying because I love Jesus more than anybody, more than anything in this world. Jesus is not for sale in my life. Jesus, you can't give me enough money to pull me away from Jesus. You can't bribe me. You can't do nothing to take Jesus away from me. You can't threaten me, put me in jail. I don't care. I will not let go of this man that gave everything for me when I didn't deserve it. Isaiah saw Jesus a thousand years before he ever walked on this earth. And he said this in Isaiah 52, but many were amazed when they saw this man, his face, he was beaten. He was so disfigured. He seemed hardly human. And from his appearance, one would scarcely know he was a man. Isaiah saw Israel needed deliverance. The world needed a savior and nobody could do it. But Isaiah said, there's this man that's coming. It's not going to be in my lifetime, but there is a man coming that will pay the price for everybody's sins and deliver Israel and deliver anybody that will ever believe in him. But he's going to have to pay a price. He's going to have to get beaten to a bloody pulp to get the job done. And so he says here in Isaiah 53 that he was getting beaten everywhere, yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. People are watching Jesus get beaten. and They're like, man, what did that guy do? It wasn't what that guy did. It's what this guy did that made Jesus had to get beat up, that made Jesus have to take this price for my sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. This has to be the absolute most unfair deal in the history of the world. He gets beaten and so I can be healed. He takes the curses. He takes all of the all of the nastiness so I can live a beautiful and wonderful life. That's not fair. But Jesus didn't come to make things fair. Jesus came to give this guy another shot. He came to heal this guy of cancer when he was three. He came to deliver me from anything and everything. I will not let go of Jesus. And so, yeah. I'm thankful. Yes, I'm grateful. 
Yes, I will do everything that I can possibly do until the day that I die to pay Jesus back, but I'll never be able to pay him back. But I'll do everything that I possibly can to show him that I'm thankful, to show him that I care, to show him that I love him. But he loved me first. Could somebody give God some praise today? Amen. Lord, we're going to praise you. We know that it's not enough, but we're going to praise you. We're going to thank you, Lord, for what you've already done. And God, we're going to give you our absolute best. We praise you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to keep going, but you can go ahead and be seated today. Praise God. Who's glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. Who's thankful for Jesus? How many of you would probably already be dead right now if Jesus hadn't pulled you out of the mess that you had created? All right, you know, hey, just throwing that out there. But praise God. Well, we're going to have a wonderful time today at church. You picked a great day to be here. There's always, I mean, every day is a good day to come to church, but you really did a great job today by coming. And uh, the title today is this. If we could throw that up here on the screen. The title is this, Bold Thanks. Bold Thanks. We're talking about bold thankfulness. And uh, this is just something that's stirring in my heart because I realize that if there's ever been a time for Christians to be bold, it's got to be right now. Do you guys understand that? That that if there's ever been a time for you to stand up for what you believe in, it's right now. You need to be bold about what you believe. You can't be like, you know, like, yo, you believe in that Jesus stuff? Well, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's you go to church, you know, when there's nothing else. If someone says, you believe in Jesus, absolutely I believe in Jesus. He believed in me. He gave me a shot. Yes, I will never, ever be ashamed of believing in Jesus. I will never be ashamed of going to church. I will never back down from these things. I like what Paul said. He said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God to save. And so I'm telling you right now that now is the time for Christians to be bold about what they believe. But in this season, in this Thanksgiving time period, I am challenging and calling on Christians to be bold about giving thanks to God and letting other people know about it and say, yeah, I am giving thanks this year and I'm giving thanks to God Almighty. I'm not thinking, you know, I'm thankful for my job and my boss. Those are nice, but I'm giving thanks to God. Christians need to be bold about where their blessings come from. You need to have no make no mistake about it. You're not where you are right now because you're so amazing. And you are. Hey, you're an amazing group of people. But you are not where you're at because you're so smart, so strong, so good looking, and you just got the best luck in the world. That's got nothing to do with it. You are where you are. You have what you have because of Jesus Christ. And you may not see it that way, but that's exactly how I see it. I wouldn't be married. I wouldn't have kids. I wouldn't be preaching because the devil tried to kill me with leukemia when I was three. But Jesus came and healed me and sent me running out of a children's hospital. It was a wild scene. You should have seen it. It was wild. I, I don't know if they had security cameras in 1989, but if they did, man, that would have been a sight 
to see because Jesus saved me and I, I have no doubt about it why I'm here right now. And it's because of Jesus and I will never be ashamed of that. All right. And so we're going to ask a question today. How can I be bold? I'm going to give you a few ways how you can be bold with your thankfulness. Now, if we just want to talk about you being bold as a Christian, I've got a whole long list that I could go over that. But today's not the day for that. We will get to that. But how can I be bold? I'm going to say this. Number one, with my words. You can be bold with your words and giving thanks to God. And and I'm talking about giving public thanks to Jesus. You know, you, you probably like it when somebody, you know, publicly says, you know what, this guy right here, he's the best employee we've got. I wish everybody could be like, I mean, that feels kind of good whether you admit it or not, or, or somebody publicly acknowledges you. Think how amazing it is for Jesus when his kids got to stand up and say, you know what, I have a savior. I have got a father in heaven, the best father that you could ever imagine. Here's what he did for me. You need to give thanks in a bold and public way. Now, I've noticed, okay, nobody's ashamed to go into the grocery store and, hey, did you see the game last night? I see people doing stuff like that all the time. Man, what a game. Did you see it? Or, hey, did you hear about this? They'll yell stuff like that, you know, to their buddy across the store all the time. I want to start hearing some, hey, did you hear that sermon Sunday? Hey, let me tell you about this testimony. I prayed for this guy and he got healed. I would love to see some, but usually it's like, let me walk over there and just, uh, okay. Hey, uh, were you at church Sunday? Did you hear that, man? Why are you ashamed about this stuff? It's time to get bold about what we believe in. I'm telling you, talk about Jesus in public. Why are you embarrassed to talk about Jesus in public? I'm telling you right now, I, where I go to the store, most of the people in there, they're not embarrassed to cuss in front of me. My gosh, you people are quiet today. Listen, the world out there, they're not embarrassed to make fun of and be profane and use filthy language in front of your kids. Why are you shy and quiet about using the name of Jesus in front of them? I don't care if it offends them because they don't care about offending me. They don't care if it offends me to use my Lord's name in vain. They'll do it anyway. And so I'm telling you right now, it's time for Christians to get bold about what they believe in. I remember when I was a kid, we were, uh, my dad tells this story, he'd probably tell it better than me, but because uh, it involves him. We were, when we played Little League Baseball, one year, there was this lady, a parent on the bench that had just a foul mouth cussing and cursing i mean you know and all this stuff i think maybe she was saying the lord's name in vain and all this in front of these kids and my dad had had it up to here with this and so what does dad do he just starts singing oh how i love jesus oh how i love jesus and every time she cussed he sang and i mean after a while she shut up didn't she and and you've got to find a way, man. They don't mind talking about their nastiness in front of you. You need to not mind talking about the goodness of God in front of other people. 
Amen. And as negative as people are right now, man, I'm telling you what, they're, they're saying this about this is going to happen and this over here. And I'm going to and I'm going to say, you know what? They may be saying that, but God's saying he will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Well, yeah, the disease is spreading over here. Psalm 107, verse 20. He sent his word and healed them of all their diseases. That's what I'm talking about right now. And so when they want to tell you about their news, I want to tell them about the good news that Jesus saves, Jesus heals, Jesus restores. There is hope for your future if you'll believe in Jesus. Let me show you something here in Acts chapter 4. Flip over to Acts chapter 4. But Christians have got to stand up. They have got to be bold right now because the world is trying to shut you up, whether you realize it or not. Some of you realize it. Some of you, you don't don't have any idea. But Satan, I believe his primary goal through everything going on right now is to shut churches down and shut Christians up because he knows he has about this much time left on the time scale. Jesus is getting ready to come back and Satan would love to come for him to come back and half the churches be shut down. Half the Christians so depressed, so disgusted that they don't have any faith at all. That is his goal. And so this is the day, this is the hour for us to be bold about what we believe in. So in Acts chapter 4, if you were to read Acts chapter 3, Peter and John, they had prayed for a crippled man and he got healed. Well, the guy couldn't keep his mouth shut. He started running around praising God, telling everybody that God had used these guys to heal him in the name of Jesus. And so you're very familiar with this story. I've talked about it a lot this year. And so Peter and John, they get arrested and all that. And I mean, it's just an ordeal. They keep saying, shut up about Jesus. We'll let you go. Just quit using that name of Jesus. And they're like, sorry, can't do it. We're going to keep using it. And so they're, they're in and out of jail all the time. And it's a wild scene, but they get out here in Acts chapter four and they're praying about, you know, what they need God to do. And look at this Acts chapter four, verse 29. And they pray, and now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Man, they could have prayed for anything. God, I just, man, make those guys leave us alone. God, God, that's not fair. God, and they're like, yeah, forget all that. Give us great boldness in preaching your word. And that needs to be what every Christian is saying right now. Lord, give me boldness. I'm telling you, I want to be a bold Christian. I don't want to be somebody that's cowering and hiding in the corner and just praying that, oh God, get, oh God, oh, oh God, oh Lord, get me through all this. I refuse to live my life that way. I'm going to be loud and I'm going to be proud about Jesus and say, grant thy servant boldness to preach your word. Amen. Who's anybody in here? Show of hands. Who's ashamed of Jesus? Oh, oh, I think I almost got a few of you. Listen, listen right now. You're it's, it's one thing to say it in here. It's another thing to go out there and actions speak louder than words. If you know what I mean, 
This is the best opportunity you've ever had to tell people about Jesus. What about Psalm 9-1? Flip over there to Psalm 9-1. And not the 91st Psalm, because that's an incredible one. But Psalm 9 and verse 1. I am excited about Jesus. Man, I just, this morning, I came over here and prayed about 5 a.m. And I'm just, I'm walking around here praying. And and, and listen, I, I'm just start thinking about all the things that I've seen Jesus do in 2020. And I stinking got excited, man. I have seen God do some wonderful things this year. I've seen God heal a lot of people. I've seen God restore families. I've seen God do financial miracles, not only this year, but every year of my life. And when I think about the things that I've seen Jesus do, I can't help but be excited. We serve a good God. We serve a wonderful Savior. And when I think about all that Jesus has done, I cannot help but get excited. But Psalm 9 and verse 1, it says, David said, I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. I will keep to myself quietly of all the marvelous things you have done. I will not share my faith in the workplace because you can't talk about religion at work. No, he said, I will tell of all the marvelous things you have done. David couldn't keep his mouth shut. If somebody came up and just gave you a million dollars, would you just quietly fold the check up and put it in your pocket and like, better keep this to myself. I don't want anybody. I mean, seriously, you would be given thanks. You would be grateful. You'd probably make some noise. You'd be taking selfies with it. You'd be, I mean, you'd be doing everything. Jesus has given you more than a million dollars, bud. Jesus has given you more than what any person could ever give you. And I'm going to praise him with my words. Psalm 71, verse 15. Psalm 71, verse 15. Check this out. Then this is King David writing again. Psalm 71 and verse 15. But David was one of those guys that he couldn't keep the goodness of God to himself. He had to spread it around. Psalm 71 and verse 15. And David says, I will tell everyone about your righteousness all day long. I will proclaim your saving power, though I am not skilled with words. Now, I read this. and This has to be one of the most laughable verses in the entire Bible. David said, I'll give you the best I got, though I'm not very good with words. Kidding? This guy was a master with words. Have you read the Psalms? Have you read the stuff that this guy wrote? And he says, I'm, I'm, I'm not that good with words, but I'll give you the best that I got. That is preposterous. That's ridiculous. He was an absolute master with words. But when he's praising God, he's like, I feel like it's not, I, I, I would like to give you more, but I'll give you what I got. So I'm going to tell everyone about your righteousness. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands on this because I'm afraid to. But I would, I would be curious how many Christians in this room have told somebody else this year face to face about the goodness of God and about, I wonder how many Christians have witnessed and tried to get somebody else saved this year in 2020. You don't have to, you can if you want to, but statistically speaking, most Christians don't do that in their entire lifetime. The percentage of Christians that actually go out and lead somebody else to Jesus is embarrassingly low. 
And I do not understand that because when God has rescued you from something, I'll ask this. How many of you in here, God has absolutely done something miraculous and wonderful and saved your life? That's a that's a, I mean, that's a fair percentage right there. I think that there's even more than that in this room that God's done something big for. But we need to be like David. And I will tell everyone about your righteousness. So I've got a challenge for you this week, if you'll accept it. I challenge you to give Jesus some public thanks this week. I'm not just saying that because it's Thanksgiving week, but seriously, I challenge you sometime, somewhere this week, to publicly give thanks to Jesus. Who would do that for me? And I mean, you're not just saying that right now. You'll actually do it. You will publicly in front of another living person. I'm not talking about going out into the desert in front of the tumbleweeds. I mean, other living people, you will give Jesus some thanks with your words. You need to do it. And the second thing I'm going to say is this. How can I be bold with my thanks? Number two, with my praise. With my praise. Now, there's times for quiet, intimate, soft, sweet worship. And I I love that. That's some of my favorite times in this entire world. But also, there's times to be bold with your praise to Jesus. Who knows that? There's a time to be bold. Let me show you something here uh, that Jesus himself said. Luke chapter 19. Let's flip over to Luke chapter 19. Who's proud of Jesus? Who's proud to be in the same family as Jesus? I mean, if you had been related to somebody famous, you know, people tell me, uh, hey, I'm, I don't want to brag, but I'm related to, to this guy over here. He was actually on a children's show on Nickelodeon back in the 90s. Like, someone told me that. I'm like, la-di-da. <laughs> Who cares? Like, I mean, good for you, though. But what I want to say is, that's cool. You, you know, your friend, your cousin was on Nickelodeon. My big brother saved the entire world one time and went to hell for three days and then came back and healed everybody. My big brother did that. I mean, so I'm glad for your, you know, your cousin or whatever. Uh, the, the sample's fame to claim is, you know, I don't want to brag, but we had a famous cousin. Now, most of you, if you're my age or younger, probably don't even know of this show, but there's a show in the 70s called Hee Haw. Anybody heard of this TV show? Yeah. So our cousin, Junior Samples, was literally on that show. And so people that are, you know, and, and, uh, and as much as I'm, uh, you know, uh, proud of my redneck hillbilly relative, distant relative, I'm more proud of my father that created the entire universe. That, that I'm a proud of my brother Jesus. I'm proud of my family. Luke chapter 19, and we're gonna look at verses 36 through 40, and this is Jesus coming into Jerusalem to be crucified a few days later. But Luke chapter 19, verse 36. It says, as he rode along, the crowds spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. And Matthew and, and Mark, they tell about how the children, they had palm branches. So people were throwing their coats out on, and we're like, well, why would they do that? Well, back in the day, man, that was the red carpet treatment. You throwed your coat out and you would let the 
important person, they would walk on the red carpet, so to speak. Well, you know, that was your your coats or whatever. So children are waving palm branches. The people are laying their clothes out. Jesus is riding in to Jerusalem. And so they're celebrating. Verse 37, when he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. I've seen Jesus do miracles, and I'm not afraid to praise him for it. Verse 38, they said, blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd, so this is some of the old religious people, they said, teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. He replied, well, if they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. And so Jesus is saying, listen, one way or another, Jesus and God the Father, they're going to be praised one way or another. If people won't get the job done, God will start using rocks to get the job done. How pathetic would it be if God had to replace you with a rock? Uh, she's not getting the job done. Let's start bringing in inanimate objects to get the job done for all these Christians because they can't praise me the right way. How... It's bad enough that Walmart's replacing human beings with machines. What if God has to bring the, get you guys out of the way and bring in something else to start using praisers? Can somebody understand what I'm saying right here? How sad would it be if we had to be replaced with some rocks? That is not going to happen with this guy. I'm going to give Jesus the praise that he deserves, whether it offends other people or not. We're going to give him the praise and the glory that he deserves, because who knows? He deserves it. He deserves a lot more than that, but he deserves the praise. And there's one thing you'll notice about when you get bold for Jesus, it starts to make people angry. It makes basically two different groups of people angry. It will really make ungodly people angry because they flat out don't want you. I mean, they liked it when you did what they did. They liked it when they could control you and they could manipulate you to do things. But when you sell out to Jesus, you can't be manipulated like that anymore. Other people don't have the authority over you. Jesus has the authority. And that makes some people really mad. Who do you think you are? Think you're better than us now? I don't think I'm better than anyone. Think you're more holy than I am? I'll stop you right there. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. You're out there, you know, you're out there doing, yes, no doubt about it, more holy than you are. And that offends some people, but uh, listen, it tells us in Second Peter that you are a royal priesthood. You are holy people. In fact, Peter said this, God said this through Peter, be ye holy as I am holy. And so, yeah, you're out there fighting people and cussing and beating people up and stealing and lying and cheating and getting drunk and cheating on your wife. Yeah, not being rude, but yeah, a little more holy than that. Not making, you know, again, between you and God, but whatever. And so it's going to make some people really mad when you get bold for Jesus. It's going to make ungodly people mad. And it's going to make lukewarm Christians really mad. Your heat offends other people that aren't on fire for Jesus like you are. 
And you can agree with that statement or not, but I've seen it my entire life. A passionate, on-fire-for-God Christian will offend lukewarm Christians and super-religious people every day of the week. They can't stand to be around you. It convicts them. And whether they'll admit it or not, they realize that there's something on the inside of them that wants to be as excited about Jesus as you are, and they feel uncomfortable about it. And the only way they know to do about it is to maybe say something bad about you. Maybe to try to talk you out of it. Maybe to try to, well, let's bring this guy down to earth. He's getting a little bit too, I mean, a little carried away there. Don't let them do it. You stay excited for Jesus. You be ready to praise Jesus no matter what. The average person uses on the low side 7,000 words a day, on the high side 20,000 words a day. Now, I've studied this on the Internet, so I know I've got a lot of facts here, okay? But one thing I've noticed is there's a big fight on the Internet. Who uses more words, men or women? And, you know, I'm not going to go into that, but it it seems to be that women use more towards the 20,000 words a day side and men at the lower level. I'm getting daggers from some of the women right now, so I'm going to stare at my paper. But either way, no matter what your word count is, how many of those words are used to praise Jesus? Are 10 out of 20,000 used to praise Jesus? Or, or, well, I I give, I give 8,000 words a day to discuss politics. And then uh, I give about a dozen words to say, thank you, Jesus. You are so good. Help me today. Amen. Out of the, what percentage of your words are used to thank Jesus and what percentage are used to complain? Talk about how bad it is. I'm just going to let you mull that over. I can see the wheels turning on some people's faces right now. Think about that and, and realize that as we give praise to God, to me, this is one of the signs of life for Christians. Because what I say is you need to check your praise pulse. If you're somebody that's on fire for God and excited about Jesus, I've noticed they're always praising God. They've always got a song on their heart. They're always saying, it's always coming out of their mouth somewhere or another. And then the most dead Christians I see, that's like, you want to check their pulse. Like, oh man, no, they they don't got anything going on right there. I remember when I was a little kid, we went, I've told this story, but we went, my mom took us to a vacation Bible school Way out this, this, I won't name the denomination because that would not be nice, but mother took us to, uh, way out in the middle of the country in Indiana, this vacation Bible school at this super old church. I've never seen a more miserable looking group of people in my entire life than these Christians. They all, I mean, I'm not being mean, they're super old and looked super angry. And as a seven year old kid, you're like, are you sure we want to go in there? These people are stinking scary, man. What are they going to do to me? And so I'm in vacation Bible school, and and the lady that was teaching my class for the first graders, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to say it, but I think like I think she went to high school with Moses or something because she she was up there. I don't know why she, but bless her heart, it was cool. But she's telling this story, and it's the story about. Uh, the, the group of friends that lowered their crippled friend down to Jesus. They cut a, a hole out of the roof and they lower Jesus down and, or they lower the man down and Jesus heals the man. And so all the little kids are like, Oh wow, what a cool story. And by this time I've been healed of cancer. I've been healed of being crippled because I was crippled and I've had a lot of miracles in my life. And she tells this story and all the kids are like, Oh yay, Jesus. And I will never forget when she closed her Bible. All right, kids, that was exciting, but guess what? 
Jesus doesn't do stuff like that anymore. Did you hear me? Some of you are stinking asleep right now. A woman at a church slammed her Bible in front of me and said, Jesus doesn't heal people anymore. Oh my gosh. I mean, as a six-year-old, seven-year-old, I was angry because since the day I was born, my parents have drilled into my head that God is a good God, that Jesus heals the sick, that Jesus came and nothing is impossible for God. I have been told that since the day that I was born. And I'm not exaggerating. I've never heard anything in my life other than God is good. Jesus heals. Jesus saves. Jesus is the way. And then somebody inside of a church tells me that Jesus doesn't heal people anymore. Well, I got into it with this old woman and I feel, I feel bad for that now. Maybe I shouldn't have, but I was like, yes, he does. Yes, he does. Jesus heals. I'll tell you about it. And I told her my story, but listen, that church was so dead. I heard a sad story. One time a man actually passed out in the church and and died. And so they brought the paramedics and they got there. They had to haul 17 people out before they actually found the dead guy. Some of you get that. But anyway, I refuse to go to a dead church. I'm going to a church that's excited about Jesus that believes that no weapon formed against me shall prosper, that believes that no matter what's going on in this world, we serve a good God, a God that is greater than anything that comes against us. First John 4, 4 says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. There's a sickness in this world Greater is he that is in me than the sickness in this world. If there's mean people, greater is he that is in me than the people in this world. And if you don't believe that, I am sorry for you. You've got some rough sailing ahead, buddy. But listen right now, you cling to God's word. So the more bold you get about Jesus, it will anger some people. Look at 2 Samuel chapter 6. Are you still with me? 2 Samuel chapter 6. Second Samuel six. And this is a, a great story here of of David. They had captured the city of Jerusalem from the Jebusites. And in second Samuel five, he decides to bring the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. Now, remember at this time that the Ark of the Covenant contained the presence of God on this earth. The presence of God was stored up in this portable ark that they carried around on these poles. Now, the good news for you in 2020 is the presence of God is still on the earth, but it's contained inside of the born-again Christian. I've got the Holy Spirit on the inside of me. It's not in some box somewhere that only the priest can get around. It's on the inside of everybody that's a born-again Christian. And so 2 Samuel chapter 6, look here at verse 14, because David's like, we're bringing the Ark of the Covenant down here into the city. And so verse 14, it says, And David danced before the Lord with all his might, wearing his priestly garment. So David and all the people of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy and the blowing of ram's horns. But as the ark of the Lord entered the city of David, Michael, that's David's wife, her name's Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked down from her window. When she saw King David 
leaping and dancing before the Lord, she was filled with contempt for him. His praise made his wife filled with contempt for him. And he's down there. David's dancing. I don't know what all moves he did. You do not want to see Pastor Dave dance. Do not want to see that. I can play many instruments, got musical ability, but the good Lord saw fit not to give this guy dancing ability. I don't got it. But David is down there. He must be absolutely killing it on the dance floor. And his wife looks down and she's like, oh, he's such an idiot. Such a fool. Look at him down there. And she's getting angry. Verse 20, when David returned home to bless his own family, Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him. He comes in the door. Honey, I'm home. And she comes out with fire in her eyes. We're getting ready to see a marital fight on our hands right here. She said in disgust, oh, how distinguished the king of Israel looked today, shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like any vulgar person might do. So David retorted to Michael, I was dancing before the Lord. Was I dancing for these people, for these girls? I was dancing before the Lord who chose me above your father and all his family. The gloves just came off, people. He just threw an insult at her dad. You don't want to bring the in-laws into it. Just, you know, just right there. And so he's like, I was dancing before the Lord, the same God that likes me better than he likes your dad. Don't get me started on your mama. And so he's, I'm like, David, okay, whoa, 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 calm down, calm down, shh, shh. Just, just leave it at that. Leave it at that. Leave it at that. But he keeps going. And I mean, they're going back and forth on this thing. And so uh, he says, he appointed me as the leader of Israel, the people of the Lord. So I celebrate before the Lord. Yes. And I am willing to look even more foolish than this, even to be humiliated in my own eyes. But those servant girls you mentioned will indeed think I'm distinguished. I'm like, we probably shouldn't have said that either, David. Just leave the girls out of it. But here we are. He's like, if you think that was crazy, I will show you crazy, woman. I'm like, whoa. But he said, I will become even more undignified. I will be even crazier than this. I'll even embarrass myself if you think that was bad. But I'm going to praise the Lord. And I'm not, I wasn't dancing for you. I was dancing for him. So I don't care if you didn't like it. So listen, when you decide to get bold about Jesus, it may even tick your own family members off, but that doesn't matter. I'm living to please Jesus. And as David was saying, man, I wasn't, it wasn't for you. It was for him. And so at our church, man, you may not like the way we praise. You may not like the way we sing. And I get that. And I'm fine with that because we're not singing for you. We're singing for him. Well, when I just don't like the way you do church over there, then go to a different one, man. We're doing fine. Our, I'm telling you, our church is doing Really, really good in 2020. God has blessed this church in ways, I mean, so, so big. I'm just, I can't give enough thanks that we, 
man, we wanted to give a Thanksgiving dinner for our people. And all you guys chipped in with way more than enough money. That now we're like, hey, let's, let's have Christmas dinner. Let's do something for Christmas. You guys are incredible. You're crushing it this year. But it's because of Jesus. God is so good. I cannot say how thankful I am that I go to this church. I mean, I'm just great to be a pastor here, but I'm just glad to be a member here. This place is incredible, and Jesus gets the glory for that. And so, how can I be bold for giving thanks to Jesus? Well, one, I could just use my words like the rest of the world uses their words. Number two, I can be bold with my praise. And number three, I can be bold with my actions. Have you ever heard the phrase, I used it earlier, actions speak louder than words? I believe that. You can tell me all day long that you believe a certain thing, but your actions will tell us what you actually believe. Actions speak louder than words. And I found out this year, 2020, more than ever, that it's one thing to talk about your faith, and it's another thing to actually live by your faith. I mean, I like to talk about faith, and I like people that talk about faith, but you know what I really like? People that live by faith. The Bible tells us the just shall live by faith. This faith thing isn't something we talk about on Sundays. It's not something that we, you know, think is cute to to visit every now and then. I don't visit faith. Man, my entire life is built upon faith. It's what I've got. And I know that's the same for every person in this room, that faith is not just a cute thing for you. It's not just I draw my inspiration. I stink and live my entire life by faith. And so our actions are the greatest way that we can give thanks for to God. Now, I've got a quote on the screen here, and I, I heard this this week at a conference I was at. But, I, I mean, I just got to share this. I probably won't dig too deep into it. But throw that on the screen, please, Joel. It's a, Gerald Brooks, a pastor from Texas, he said, COVID didn't change Christians' level of commitment. It just revealed it. I'm like, whoa. Well, they used to be committed, and then COVID came, and they just... If this was enough to knock you away from being committed to Jesus, that revealed the level that was already there. Because I don't know one single committed, faithful Christian that is not faithful and committed in November. Well, they back in March. No, every single faithful, committed, loyal, on fire for God Christian in November, they were the same thing in March. They, this didn't knock them for a loop and, and well, we just kind of let go. No. If you're faithful, you're faithful. If you believe this stuff, you believe it. If you live by faith, you live by it. No matter what comes down the turnpike, you're still following Jesus. And this was not enough to shake me from clinging to Jesus. And so I'll say this and I'll I'll move on. But I was up in Big Bear for a few days this week. And I don't know, different people, you recharge your batteries different ways. The way to recharge my batteries is go to the middle of the woods with not another person around and stare at a tree for a while and just 
talk to Jesus. That, 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 I mean, that does more for me than anything you could imagine. Me in the woods with nobody else around is like just the absolute best thing in the world for me. So I'm, I'm up there and I don't know, I'm just talking to God. I'm praying and I'm out there, man. Nobody around except it was weird. I was miles in the woods and this lady comes walking by wearing a face mask. And I'm like, <laughs> There's nobody for miles around. What are you doing? Like, I mean, I, I'm like, well, I'm like a hundred feet away from you. And I'm not, I'm not making a statement by this, but I squinted and looked in and what I saw in her face mask kind of, anyway, I'm not going to go there. That may, but it was kind of funny anyway. So miles in the woods and I'm like, I don't think the Rona's going to get you out here. We're like, nobody's around for miles. But anyway, so I'm out there and, I, and I'm talking to God. I'm just praying and talking. And, and I'm, and I just, I, I'm talking to God. I'm like, you know what? My greatest piece of advice for Christians as we approach 2021 is this. Cling to Jesus and find a church that has some guts and some faith and cling to it too. Take that for what it's worth. But I'm telling you right now, cling to Jesus and people listen online or wherever. Find a church that's got some guts and some faith and cling to that place. And don't let go because Satan would love to shake you. And as he said to Peter, sift you as wheat. Don't let your faith fail. And what's my point in even saying something like that? One of the biggest ways we can show our thankfulness is to be obedient to Jesus' commands and stay faithful even in tough times. John fourteen fifteen says this. Jesus said in John fourteen fifteen. If you love me, obey my commandments. If you love me, no, he didn't say, if you love me, go out and get some really sweet Christian t-shirts and, you know, rock the merch. You know what I mean? And just let it, you know, just show everybody. That's a great thing. You should do that. But he said, if you love me, just obey my word, obey my commandments. The greatest way that I can prove my love and my thankfulness to Jesus is not just by my words, but by my actions and obeying what the word of God says. The best way to thank Jesus is to live your life for him. And I've got one more verse I'm going to show you here. Psalm 50 verses 14 and 15. Psalm 50 verses 14 and 15. Who's thankful for what Jesus has done for you? We need to not be ashamed. We need to be bold about what Jesus has done for us. Psalm 50, verses 14 and 15. It says, make thankfulness your sacrifice to God. Let me say that again. Make thankfulness your sacrifice to God. And keep the vows you made to the Most High. That hit me pretty heavy when I read. I don't know about you, but it said, Make thankfulness your sacrifice and keep the vows you made to the Most High. I never, ever want to be a person that makes a vow, makes a commitment to Jesus, and then doesn't keep my word to Jesus. Because I've got a whole book of vows and promises that Jesus made to me. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. No matter what, I am not leaving you. And I have had some down times, just like you have. I've had some up times. But I know this much, and you feel it sometimes more in the down times. 
Jesus has never, ever, ever left me alone. When I feel alone, when I feel like nobody else is there, nobody else cares, I've got Jesus right there. And I can feel his arms around me. You can feel that? I can feel that. The arms of Jesus around me like, bud, you're not alone. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. In fact, in Matthew 28, he said, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Jesus has never left me. He made a promise and he kept it. And so it tells us right here, how can we give thanks to God? Well, make thankfulness your sacrifice to God. Keep the vows you made to the most high. Then call on me when you are in trouble and I will rescue you and you will give me glory. Has Jesus ever rescued you from something? Most of the stuff he's rescued me from is stuff I've put myself into. Stupid decisions, bad mistakes, but Jesus rescued me. Now, sometimes it's just been straight up attacks from the devil. I didn't deserve cancer. I did nothing to get that when I was three, but it, the devil brought it anyway. But Jesus came and healed me from it. And I'm telling you right now, he has never left me. He has never forsaken me. And it says right here that I know you'll give me glory when I rescue you out of this. I'm here to give God some glory today. If you are not ashamed of what Jesus has done for you, I want you to stand up today and we're going to give God some praise together. Who knows that you would not be here if not for him. You would not have the things you have. And, and, and let's get over that, man. It's not even about that. I wouldn't be going to heaven when I died. I'd still be afraid of dying if Jesus hadn't come. But Hebrews tells us that Jesus came to this earth to set free all those who had lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Now, I don't want to die anytime soon, but I'm telling you right now that death doesn't have this fear for me because I know where I'm going. You can't threaten me with heaven. It's where I'm going. And it's because of Jesus. And I'm thankful, man. I am thankful. And I don't care if it offends somebody. I don't care if they say, well, you, you can't do that anymore. I'm going to still do it because Jesus is who I serve. I don't serve anybody else. I serve Jesus. And I want to give him some praise today. And so this is how we roll around here on the fly, man. We just, we, as the Lord speaks to our heart, so much of what we do is not planned. Josh, I want you to do... Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And then if you could go into, oh, how I love Jesus. Can you do those together? All right. And so I'm asking you today, sing to Jesus for a minute. I mean, is it, is that, is that too much to, I, I know we got food, but, but seriously, if we could have five minutes to just say, Jesus, my God, I love you. I love you. I'm not even coming to Jesus right now to say, I love you. Now give me this. I love you. Now do this for me. I just want to say, Jesus, I love you. So let's take a few minutes here and we are going to worship Jesus. I love our internet audience. I love you guys. Thank you for joining today. I say goodbye to you. You're blessed. Have a happy Thanksgiving. 